Hello, this is Orlando Mayor Buddy Dyer. Welcome home. So we're into tower. We are ready for takeoff. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Hey, it's Amy from DVC Clubhouse. Hey, Clubbers, it's Scott from DVC Clubhouse. Hey, it's Kathleen from DVC Clubhouse. Welcome aboard, it's Phil from DVC Clubhouse. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Debrief Podcast brought to you by DVC Clubhouse. This is Amy, joined, as always, by Kathleen, Scott, and Phil. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hello. Welcome aboard, guys. So today, what is today? Today is Tuesday? Today is the day that Universal released their video about Epcot Universe. I, oh, I just did it. You <laughs> did it. Epic <laughs> Universe. I jinxed you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't even catch it. <laughs> Epic Universe. And now this is like it's going to be called Epcot Universe for the rest for the rest of my life now. <laughs> but anyway, it, you know, pretty timely that it came out today because we were scheduled to record this podcast, so we we pivoted a little bit so that we could uh, have a little conversation about Epic Universe. You know, it's been this huge topic of conversation about whether or not Disney is lagging behind Universal and if Universal with this new park that they're opening is going to finally surpass Disney as the reigning theme park champion of Central Florida. And so uh, we all watched the seven minute video that they released on YouTube today and uh, we all have our thoughts, so we thought we would we'll have some conversation about that and about, you know, just how it relates to Disney. And as DVC members, if we see ourselves visiting Universal a little bit more than, than we may have. So what do you guys think? No, I'm good. Can we go on to the next topic? Can we talk about Epcot? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was, there was like a 10-second delay there. Nobody said a word, so. Go ahead. Um Epic Universe, I saw the seven-minute video, and after being a annual pass holder for, <laughs> for, a, for a year, does that make sense, um, we dropped our passes, and this does not make me want to renew in any way at all. I feel like it's just the same old thing. It looks nice. There's a nice hotel, um, but Harry Potter World has been done. This is going to be Harry Potter World times three. How to Train Your Dragon, I believe, was part of this, and I really could care less about that. The only thing that remotely interested me was Nintendo World, because I'm, you know, I grew up in the '80s. I grew up with Nintendo, Mario. That's all nostalgia, and that's great. I would love to go visit that once just to see how it is, but I don't see that uh, comparing or competing with with Disney and the nostalgia of Disney at all. I think Scott said it best. I looked at the video and I made some notes. So my notes are from top to bottom that the land you walk into is really Epcot reimagined. I see some strains of Tokyo Disney Sea in there. 
I see the wide open spaces concept, which is what Epcot's trying to do. Like Scott, I saw an awesome hotel. That hotel looks amazing in the renderings right in the center of the park. I think that's super cool. But realistically, it's been done. Uh, I see really just another Flights of Passage and How to Train Your Dragon. Looks like you ride atop a dragon through some VR world. So that's been done. I see, as Scott said, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, part three. And then I see Nintendo World. I mean, granted, we are probably, as the four of us, not the crowd they're looking for. We are devout Disney fans. We get the feels from Disney. We're DVC members. But I think, to me, the most important part of the conversation isn't what we see in Universal. It's what the general public is going to see in Universal and what that's going to do to Disney and thereby our experience at Disney. And I think that's where we're going to see it show through. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I was really looking forward to seeing the video because I I saw it after seeing preliminary reactions from people um, across the different, you know, various social media sites. And other than a, a really great production value for that video, I mean, I think that they really did a good job producing that video and trying to get people excited with the music and the how excited the people were who were, you know, presenting the the lands to us. I felt extremely underwhelmed by this. I mean, you know, th- this has been something that has been talked about for a long time now. And with a name like Epic Universe... I really believed that they were just going to like knock my socks off with what they were going to present. And, you know, I had to laugh to myself because the, you know, the entry plaza, I guess it's called Celestial Park. And one of the features that they touted on the video was that they have fountains, interactive fountains and a carousel. And I just, that just made me laugh because this is the like central hub of this new park. And Disney has been getting so much flack for, for Moana Journey of Water. And that Moana Journey of Water makes that interactive fountain look like child's play. I mean, there was that, Disney Springs used to have that interactive fountain over in the marketplace. And so that that is one of the things that they are, you know, touting is as an attraction that's happening in this central plaza. It just made me laugh to myself. So I mean, I feel I, I am with you, Phil, where I feel like and, and that's why I you know, the Freudian slip calling it Epcot Universe, because I feel like they were trying to do what Epcot is in that, you know, that new area. I'll jump in here just a little bit, I think. To give credit where credit is due, what they are doing is what Disney wanted to do with Epcot before all the pandemic budget cuts. So there is that. Number two, it may not be overwhelming, but let's be honest. They're putting together an entire theme park with five lands and the time it took Disney to put together one coaster and a walkthrough attraction at Epcot. So we can put it down and talk about how it's underwhelming, but... I'd like to at least point out that Disney could barely accomplish two attractions in the time it's taking Universal to put together an entire park. Yeah, well, I mean, time aside, 
if we're just looking at the products, let's not look at the time that it's that it's taking. Let's look at the end product because I mean I know everyone has their opinions about about how and, and I mean and rightfully so about how disappointing it has been that the latest Disney attractions have taken so long to build and that they have had to modify what the original plans were. So yeah, that that is disappointing, but you can't you know, all of that aside, especially for the person who is not like an informed Disney goer, you know, somebody who just wants to go to Disney World, who doesn't know about, you know, things that they're introducing and plans that they're that they're announcing for the future. People just see what they see for the most part. You know, they are going to they decide to go to Disney World and whatever is available today is is what is available. And, and they don't know about plans or modified plans or how long it took or, or, or whatnot. Prop, for the most part, I would say like the average, you know, we are not the average Disney park guest. So, I mean, I, you know, just looking at the end product, I just feel like walking into this epic universe to be met by interactive fountains that are shooting up out of the ground and, and a, and a carousel that is based on not even any sort of like universal IP. It's just a randomly conceived concept, the celestial park. And then, you know, what they're saying is that like off of this central hub, you've got these portals that bring you to other universes, which conceptually sounds pretty cool. But I think that it's so disjointed because you've got these random different universes that have nothing to do with each other. So you've got Nintendo, you've got Harry Potter, you've got how to train your dragon. And in fairness, one could say that Hollywood studios is, is disjointed as well, but Hollywood studios is, was conceived of differently and, and they're slowly changing that park as it goes. This was a blank slate that they started with. And I feel like it was just so disjointed and there's no, kind of fluidity between these these universes it's like random ip and then not ip all meshed together and quite frankly i feel as though it's islands of adventure part two but instead of calling them islands they're just calling them universes and so like they can they're just totally random disjointed watching the video that like dark universe they didn't really give any details they were just showing clips of old time you know horror film villains but to me it's like giving like that like lost continent vibe at islands of adventure which like i you know at, when i go to islands of adventure i just go to the wizarding world and and that's all i'm interested in because the rest of it just feels like whatever to me and so from a nostalgia standpoint yeah i mean i grew up playing nintendo too i'd probably be much more excited about a zelda themed world than a super mario themed world but I just totally lost my train of thought. It's Mario. I feel like you're making my point, though. I understand what you're saying, and I'm coming at it from somebody who is not a Universal fan. I don't love their product as much. I don't love their IP as much. And we are at least financially wedded to Disney. But you just talked about an entire park, and I think the uninformed customer sees that Disney has not had a lot of changes and has not had a lot of additions. And regardless of how you look at it, Universal is saying we have an entirely new park for you. I think everybody said the same thing with Harry Potter. 
well, what's the big deal? It's going to be a different customer. And we saw what the opening of the whole Harry Potter experience did to Disney. I think Disney is going to have a rude awakening here very shortly. And their blue sky ideas for what's going to happen are just not going to be in time. And I think honestly, as Disney fans, we're going to reap the benefit of that. But I think your average person is not looking at whether or not Disney is going to do something in the future or whether or not Universal's lands are disjointed or whether or not it's a carousel. They see new, they see exciting, and they see a whole new park. And I think that's going to be telling to your average consumer. I think your hardcore Disney fans are going to remain your Disney fans, but I think your transient fans are going to flock over to Universal. I have a number of friends who are travel agents, and they've told me for the last three years that they're seeing Universal bookings go up and Disney bookings stay flat or go down. I truly think that regardless of how I feel about it personally, this is going to sting Disney. And again, that's coming from somebody who's not a Universal guy. Yeah, well, I mean, I I think that it's a no-brainer that when this park opens, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be, the opening is going to be a huge success. I just don't think that you know all of the talk about if if, is if universal is now going to surpass disney i don't think that that these concepts are sustainable enough to kind of take the crown away from disney and i do think that they I, i do think that disney knows that they need to do something so i don't think that this is going to be you're right they will not be able to open something that's going to be competitive with the opening of epic universe but Long term, Disney will do something. They're going to expand parks. They're going to introduce some new things. And when we're looking at like the longevity of the product, I just don't think that Universal has what it takes for the long term. And I mean, you know, like Kathleen and Scott said, like they had an annual pass for a year and they got rid of it. You know, and and, and look, I, 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 I'm not naive. I know that there are people who love Universal and prefer it to to Disney because they like thrill rides and they think that Disney, you know, has gotten kind of stale and tired. But I think generally speaking, like this concept of this park, I really thought that they were going to put forth a product that was going to have more longevity to it. And I just don't think that these concepts have it. They feel like a one and done to me. That's how we felt about Universal. I mean, that's, you know, Universal could give away unicorns and I still don't think it's going to hurt Disney. I, people that love Disney are still going to go. The only thing that I think that I like about this, I think it forces Disney, like what Amy said in the future, something's going to happen. They're going to, you know, whether it be a new park expansion, new rides. I think that's about the only thing positive that comes out of this for me is I feel like maybe Disney will feel like they have to do something. They don't have to. I really don't feel like they have to, but I hope that they feel like they do to stay competitive with Universal right now. But I mean, let's face it, Disney has what Universal never will. And that is just a solid fan base that's built on the feels. You go to Disney a lot of times for the feels. I don't go to Universal because I get the feels when I go there. You know, Small World, I joke about that ride, but it's it's a nostalgic classic ride and it's nothing compared to Velocicoaster, as far as thrill rides. But you feel a certain way about Small World. And Velocicoaster is like, yeah, great, I wrote it, but I don't really necessarily feel like you'd have to do it every year. 
small world, if you go on a family trip, you know, it's, it's a tradition. I guess that would be the word that I'm looking for. But to me, Universal is nothing more than my mint chocolate chip ice cream. I love vanilla and I'll eat vanilla every day, but just once in a blue moon, I get in the mood for mint chocolate chip. But once I've had it, I don't need to have it again for a long time. Well, that's how we felt when we got the passes. We went once, we liked it, and we're like, oh, I, I guess we probably should have came before we got the annual passes because any other time that we went after that, it wasn't because we wanted to go. It's because we bought it and we had to get our money's worth. It is just something that I don't have to do again. I'm just not a universal person. And I mean, there's many people that aren't, but I mean, I know people from back home that they go to universal every year for a week and I have no idea how, but that's just what they like. And that's great. I mean, I think the new, this new thing looks great and I'm sure it's going to be great, but it just isn't for me. Just not me. I don't disagree. And I think, again, we are not their demographic. I think that, and I'm going to continue to play devil's advocate here. I have friends also that go to Universal every year. I think that their deluxe hotels are phenomenal. Every report I get back about their deluxe hotels gets super high ratings. I think their prices as far as their annual pass and their hotels are competitive. I think they will have the newest thing on the block. Maybe not the best thing on the block, but the newest thing on the block. If you look at what Disney has done over, let's call it just the last five to 10 years, we are not the demographic they have been aiming for. They have been very clear, especially in the JPEG years, that the annual pass holders and the locals are not their biggest demographic. It's not who they're catering to. They are catering primarily to the day guests because the day guests are who spend the money. The day guests go home with all the kitschy merch that we don't like. The day guests get Genie Plus every single day, which we have crapped on repeatedly. And I think that day guest is where Universal is going to pull from. Even if people are not primarily going to Universal, at the very least, what you'll see is people splitting their trips between Disney and Universal. Universal has done a very good job of catering to those families. And if that is the demographic and the portion of the population that Disney feels brings them the most money, I think, what is it, 70 to 80% of the guests in the park on a daily basis are off-site day guests. And if Universal can pull from that, I don't think our opinion holds the sway that we wish it did or that we hoped it did. We tried and true year after year, DVC members, annual pass holders, Disney lovers are not the people that are pouring the money into that park on a daily basis. It's the family that's coming in. They're buying every Mickey bar, every turkey leg, Genie Plus every day, going through the shops on the way out, loading the kids down, renting the strollers, and we're just not that customer. And I think that's the customer that Universal is going to take the biggest bite out of. Again, not to beat a dead horse, I'm not a Universal guy, but I think we're looking at this from a very biased point of view. You said it perfect, Phil. I think, I'm sorry. I think, Phil, you said it perfect when you said they, they may not have the best product, but they have the newest. And that's great. And that has value, but it also has an expiration date because much like, you know, I talk about Riviera. Riviera for DVC was the newest thing. It's great. It's going to sell. But as soon as you introduce something else, you know, Grand Floridian did a refurb. You know, we're now talking about a poly tower. 
the newness wears off after a while and you go back to what you're used to, you go back to what you know. And I just feel like this is a temporary thing where, you know, people are going to want to visit it. It might be a one and done, but the newness will wear off. And before you know it, we're going to be right back to the same thing that we were, where, you know, your faith will continue to go to Disney. I think that, and I'm not comparing myself to, you know, the average guest. I'm observing, I, I'm one of the only, I mean, other than clearly the people that I've met through this group, in my personal life, other than my aunt, I don't know any other Disney Vacation Club members. I know a lot of people who are huge Disney World fans and go all the time. And people who are reaching out to me constantly for help with planning, these are people that want to go to Disney World and they will explore potentially adding on Universal. And so I think, Phil, I do think that you made a, you know, a valid point where I think that it may turn into the reality where people will stay at Universal for two nights and Disney for five, whereas before they might stay at Disney for seven and just take a day trip to Universal. But because Universal's hotels give you the their deluxe hotels give them that express lane access which is a thousand times better than genie plus which is yeah a thousand times better now that there are three parks to explore and you get that park i can see where somebody might say okay you know what we'll do five nights at disney world and two nights at universal because we can especially and look, we, my family is a huge Harry Potter fan. So it's not that I'm not the target audience because at least for the Wizarding World, on paper, I am. And the Wizarding World is very polarizing for Harry Potter fans because there are people who love it and thinks that think that it's like perfect. And then there are people like, you know, my daughter, my 18-year-old daughter, Allie, who has been reading Harry Potter since she was in kindergarten, who showed up. And looked around and said, I wish that Disney had done this because I think they would have done it better. And I felt the same way. Like, as much as I love Harry Potter, I don't need to go there all the time. So I think that for the people who are Harry Potter fans, the fact that now you need to go to a third park to have the full experience. Because, you know, that's what that's what Universal did. They opened the Wizarding World at Islands of Adventure. Then years later, they... They announced the expansion at Universal Studios, and so now you have to pay for admission to two different parks to go to the Wizarding World, and now they're adding a, a third. And the way that Universal sells their packages is that they'll sell, like, a Wizarding World package, and that that comes with, like, certain bells and whistles. Like, you might get a wand, or, you know, there, there are, are certain bells and whistles that come with that package. So they are now at least going to be enticing people to stay on their property a little bit longer rather than making it a one day trip, because it is probably unrealistic that you could do all three wizarding world lands in one day. Do you think it'll force Disney's hand to, to build a, a fifth gate? Just to, what you just said about now people are going to spend three days in universal as opposed to before there was only two parks. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, that is an interesting point because prior to them opening this before Epic Universe, and especially before I realized that they were putting a third Harry Potter land, I wasn't really in favor of a fifth gate. I was more in favor of of expanding Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom, because I think that those parks need to have expansion so that they can absorb more people and keep people there for a longer period of time. 
which I still believe to be the, the, the case. But if Disney wants to make sure that they are keeping people on the property for seven nights instead of five nights Disney, two nights Universal, a fifth gate might be the way that they have to do that. Because now people are going to say, well, if I want to do all of the Disney parks, I bet I'm going to need to stay there for, for seven full nights. Yeah, because when so, you think I mean, about Disney it, is, uh, Disney is, uh, I'm just sitting here thinking, but you know, Magic Kingdom has always been a full day. Epcot's a full day. And like what Phil has said before, Animal Kingdom is easily a half day. And if you play your cards right, Hollywood Studios could be a half day as well. So people vacationing still probably could look at Disney and say, I, I really just need three days there to do the parks. And then I could just hop on over to Universal. Well, I think there's two different conversations here. And Amy touched on something that I just want to go back to briefly the one Achilles heel I can see of this new universal is that it is not connected. It's a fair distance away from the original land that Universal has purchased. So unlike Disney, it is not going to be very easy to go from park to park to park or from hotel to park. You are going to have to shuttle more or less up iDrive to get to this third gate. And iDrive, as you guys well know, is not a lot of fun. It's kind of shady in some spots the traffic is horrific so going from a to b is not going to be easy so i do think that people will have to split their time in order to make it easy there will be shuttles people will take the shuttles they'll go back and forth but unlike being inside the bubble at disney you can't just easily go from park to park to park with this new gate now that does open up the next conversation which you guys talked about i think hollywood studios isn't just a half-day park if you play your cards right. I've said it before, we are not Star Wars people. If we never saw Galaxy's Edge again, we would be perfectly fine with that. My kids don't like Rise. They're not Star Wars fans. We don't need to go in there. And if you take out the 60 to 90-minute wait for Slinky Dog, Hollywood Studios is easily a half-day park. You can blow through the rest of them in no time. Animal Kingdom, again, it I understand what the concept was. You're supposed to walk the paths. You're supposed to enjoy the animals. If my kids are not feeling that, it's easily a half-day park. I think both of those parks desperately need expansion, far more than Magic Kingdom needs expansion behind Big Thunder Mountain. But I think if Disney wants to have a wow moment, if they want to draw people in, I think they almost have to have a fifth gate. Because Magic Kingdom, if you go... To Magic Kingdom on a busy day, you cannot do all of Magic Kingdom in one day. You just can't. So you're going to further extend that park and make it a two-day park. Your typical day visitor, I don't think, is going to know the difference or really understand that you're going to need two days for that park. You need to have a wow moment. Now, Amy's right. I, I do think that everything at the new Epic Universe has an expiration date. I think most of Hollywood Studios, if you look at it, has had an expiration date outside of Harry Potter. That was their saving grace. Prior to that, a lot of the original rides have closed down. They've become, they're not timely. Um, they've become old. They've become stale. People don't want them anymore. And I see this park going in the same direction, but it's still going to be a draw for quite a while. And as I stated at the beginning of the episode, that's a benefit for Disney fans. Disney is going to have to answer this. If Epic Universe is a hit, it's going to draw down the crowds at Disney. That's a bonus for those of us that go all the time. I will happily take lower crowds. And if Disney has to expand, again, that's a bonus for those of us that are Disney fans. It's certainly a bonus for DVC members who are locked in for the foreseeable future. We get more for our investment. 
So I think this can only eventually lead to good things for Disney. But Amy mentioned the words long term. And I, again, I'm beating a dead horse, but Disney doesn't do anything in the short term. They're announcing what, 60 billion in the next 10 years? 10 years. What can happen in 10 years? Now you've got to come up with a concept. You need to push it past blue sky. You need to get Imagineering involved. You need to file all the permits. You need to clear the land. And then you need to start building. And their reputation is just not good for building things in a timely manner. My kids could literally be out of college before we truly see the outcome of that $60 billion that they're talking about investing. And just like that. Wow, I stunned done. everyone into silence. That's a first for this crew. No, I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm thinking right now and, and I'm processing because yes, there is a, an unrealistic timeline here. If we're thinking that we're going to be seeing something within the next four years. I mean, I just don't think that that is at all feasible. Cake bake. What'd you say? (laughs) The cake bake. You might see the cake bake shop open within the next four years. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. Now, with that said, I will happily take what's on Disney property with a lower crowd for the next five years. Happily take that. But if people think a fifth gate or an expansion is going to be ready to go in the next four to five years, I want whatever it is that they're taking because that is a pipe dream. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I part of that, that long pause before is that, you know, I, I started thinking about, I think that there's been you know, people have had a, a a reasonable skepticism when it comes to DVC, where it seems like they've been prioritizing opening new and building new DVC resorts. And there is a kind of like a question mark over people's heads because they're continuing to add places for people to stay without adding to the parks. And not that, I, I mean, you know, the, the Fort Wilderness cabins, you know, they just released the pricing the other day and, and it's expensive, but it does accommodate, you know, the larger families. And I wonder if there's also some strategy in that too for Disney, where they are really trying to make sure that people are not going and staying at Universal. They want people to be staying at Disney. You use that word accommodate very loosely. It sleeps more people. I don't know if it accommodates more people. Right. But if you are a family of six and you can stay there versus needing to pay for two hotel rooms, that is a draw. That is a draw for families to be able to stay under, you know, one roof, if you will, versus needing to split between two hotel rooms or pay for like a suite or one or two bedroom. Well, actually a two bedroom at Disney because- one bedrooms would not accommodate a family of six. So is that a strategic move also so that Disney is offering accommodations for families? And and I'm not just talking from a DVC standpoint because they're not converting all of the um, cabins to DVC, are they? Aren't they keeping some of them? No. No, they're converting them all? Oh. I was just going to say that if they were opening this up as a separate open accommodation to all guests, I would understand that argument, but it is a DVC property. So you are, in fact, trying to get people to buy into a long-term investment to sleep those six. Now, granted, there's always going to be some that are available for cash. But you can still pay cash rates. Yeah. You can, but they're marketing it to DVC, which is a longer-term investment. So I think it, it belies 
that thought process a little bit. I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The reason these cabins are being turned into DVC is because they're using DVC members to underwrite the rebuilding of all the cabins. I think that was just a simple financial decision. If they derive a benefit from bigger families staying there, all fine and well. If they had just rebuilt the cabins and then sold them solely for cash, I could see that argument. But I I don't I'm not sure that argument holds water being a DVC property. I just think they're two separate markets is all. Yeah. It's just a an, it's an observation to note that you know, I I am not the only one who has made it that Disney continues to well Disney Vacation Club continues to build and launch new properties when they are not offering more at the theme parks. And you know, I'm just it begs the question, what is the strategy behind that? And is there a, is that a long-term plan? Is that something that is, a, you know, about going along the way of like really just trying to expand options and opportunities for people to be staying on Disney property for longer periods of time so that they are not leaving to go to stay at Universal Hotels? I think we'll know more about that when this whole trust becomes clearer in what their long-term plan is. And I'm sure that the actuaries and the accountants and the bean counters at Disney know better than I do. But from an outside standpoint, I don't think it begs the question of what is the long-term plan. I think it begs the question of, do they actually have a feasible long-term plan? Because what I see are a lot of short-term decisions that have long-term ramifications. Well, and, and the question of this trust, I mean, this conversation is one that the cart has been put before the horse a lot. And there has been a lot of time invested in these conversations. And there is validity to the statement that a, these cabins are not fixed. They are not attached to the earth. They are mobile homes. And therefore they are not real. I got raked across the coals for making that statement. I'm glad it came from your mouth this time. Who got, who did? Oh, I took all kinds of flack for saying they were just single wides. <laughs> but but the reality of what they are is that they are not they are not a, a, attached to the earth. They are placed on concrete slabs. So they are not real property because they are movable. They are literally being constructed someplace else and then being plopped on that on that land and they can be removed. And because they are not fixed to the earth, they are not real property. So from a real estate standpoint, you cannot sell a real estate to deed for something that is not real property. It is a different transaction when you are selling a mobile home than when you are selling a real property, a home that is built and fixed to the earth. And so it could be as simple as that they had to develop this trust because they could not sell deeded real estate interests in mobile homes, essentially. No disagreement here. So two questions. So the first what do you think Disney's response will be? And second, what do you wish Disney's response would be to Universal's announcement and this expansion and this pressure upon them to try and continue innovating and drawing customers? And does Disney need to draw new customers? Well, so my my, my knee-jerk reaction when I watched the video, the first, the first thought that I actually had, well, maybe not the first, my first was, just laughing at the celestial park and their interactive fountains, but this dark universe, the fact that Disney, that it it kind of like 
randomly was announced that they're looking at this expansion and that, you know, talking about hinting that it might be villains. I don't even know if Disney really intends to do that, but I think that they probably, you know, it was leaked that this dark universe was going to be a reality at Universal and Disney does not want to look like they are answering Universal. So they leaked that little bit of information that might or might not happen before Universal's big announcement came out so that they can say, well, we had already planned that. This is not in response to something that Universal is doing. So that that is something that I think they did strategically because it was such a random kind of PR snippet that was circulating a few weeks ago that people started talking about. So, I, you know, there is that. Now, I agree with you, Phil. I, I, I think that expanding Magic Kingdom right now makes zero sense and if they want to do villains then put it at hollywood studios that is the place where that would make sense to me in in my mind because now that we've kind of you know disney has moved away from what mgm was which was this celebration of the heyday of hollywood and are they're making dedicated lands to different ip then let the villains live there as far as that dis that villains land that's what I think. I mean, ultimately, what I wish is that they would expand Hollywood Studios, they would expand Animal Kingdom. And then I do think now, if Universal, not if, since Universal has three parks, I do think that in order to make sure that people are not splitting their time between Disney and Universal, Disney is eventually going to have to open a fifth gate. That I, I don't know. I, I don't love that idea because I just feel like that's more money than that I, that I have to spend to get into the parks. But I do think it makes sense from a business standpoint to make sure that people are not now because they have more incentive than ever to stay at, at a Universal Deluxe Hotel so they can get into all three parks and so that they can get the um, Express Pass. I'm just going to go on record now and say that I have no desire for a villain's gate. I think you want to talk about something that is short-sighted and has an expiration date. I just think it's it's so narrow-minded. I think they can do so much more. I'll just throw that out there right now as my opinion. I'm sorry, Scott, go ahead. Yeah, no, no I, I, I totally agree with you on that. I was just going to say, I think I don't think Disney has to do anything. I don't think they're going to do anything anytime soon. I think maybe down the road there will be a fifth gate, but... What I wish would happen, you know, like Amy said, they just keep building properties and more and more people come down. I mean, I really wish there would be a fifth gate, but I just hope they really think it out. You know, the villains thing has always been thrown out there, but I don't know. I, I think they can probably do better as far as creativity with that. And then I don't know, like I just the only thing that I can think of that Universal does really well is they treat their annual pass holders so much better than what Disney does. And I just maybe Disney could do something with that where they, they start treating their AP holders a little bit better and maybe offer a little bit more. That was the one thing that we really liked about universal was, you know, they, they really did treat their, their annual pass holders really well, but I don't know. I don't think Disney will do anything, but I guess if I'm wishing at the very least, I hope they do some kind of an expansion, something new and exciting. I completely agree. Like the notion of a, an entire theme park being dedicated to villains is to me, I just think that that's setting up for failure because not only does it have an does it have an expiration, but this is supposed to be a family experience, 
And there are kids, there, there are families that will not even enter that park because their kids are scared. And so, you know, they, they need to make sure that they are appealing to the lowest common denominator with a fifth park, a villain's land that can absorb some people makes far more sense than a fifth gate. And I, and I know that there, you know, people love the notion of, of, of a fifth gate that's villains, but that's not a, a smart business decision. On top of that, a villain's park is an answer. It's a response. It's a reaction to universal. It's trying to go and get that customer back who is really already dedicated to universal. I think it's a different customer. I agree. I think that Disney is going to have to have some kind of answer to this because they're just going to see some slippage in market share. But I think ultimately Disney needs to do a couple of things as it applies to the parks and what they need to do to answer it. Disney forged their reputation on being an innovator. They stayed ahead of the curve. They gave the customers what they wanted in a Disney flavor, for lack of a better term. Disney has a model that they followed, and it's wishing upon a star, and it's dreams come true, and it's the happiest place on earth, and it's the most magical place on earth. And I don't think a villain's park is really what Disney should do or Disney needs to do or is Disney-like. I think that Universal captures that market space. And for Disney to come back is a reaction. They need to get back ahead of the curve and go back to their roots. Now, when it comes to going back to their roots, we can talk about the Disney difference. Granted, I have a very narrow view of this because there's some nostalgia involved. I like what Disney offered in the past. I think that there was truly a Disney difference. But what Disney needs to do is clean up their house as it sits. Let us find a reasonable replacement for Genie Plus, because right now what we're doing is paying for something that's not as good as what we used to get for free. Let's go back to giving people access all over the park. And the monorail did that when there were two parks. Let's expand the Skyliner and make transportation much easier so people aren't piled into those buses and going through that mess. Let's go back to hotels that are appropriately themed and not just littered with IP. Let's go back to the experience in the park being pleasurable and not just a money grab. Let's go back to what made Disney Disney and expand upon that. There's so much they could do just in Animal Kingdom. I mean, we've talked about it and I've said it numerous times. Look at what Tokyo did with Disney Sea and how immersive that was and how magical that was and how beautiful that was. And now we get Tron stuck behind Storybook Circus. I think Disney lost sight of what made them great, and they need to regain that sight again. They need to regain that customer share. They need to regain that reputation. And if they can go back to having the Disney difference and people going back again and again and again, they don't need an additional answer to Universe. They need to recapture people's imagination. And I think that's what they're lacking now. I, I talk to people that now have to plan Disney vacations and come back from Disney vacations, and they don't have the same response that they had 10, 15, 20 years ago. What has changed? What has changed is the Disney difference. If you want to continue getting families coming back generation after generation and families coming back year after year after year, you need to make that initial experience enjoyable. And you need to make it so that those of us who have bought into that for generations continue passing that down generationally. And they're just not doing that right now. 
if Disney were at the top of their game, Epic Universe wouldn't be a threat. Disney is not at the top of their game. And I think that's why Epic Universe is a threat. People are looking for other options. And I think that's what's going to hurt them. Yeah, I I recently had um, a colleague and a client, both one, the colleague had recently taken a Disney trip and the client is her daughter is in in the midst of uh, planning a trip that my client is going to be going on with her. And both of them were just, I mean, they did not, they had a great, well, the, the one is in the planning stage. She thinks it's ridiculous all that her daughter is like needing to do and that she had needed to wake up at 6 a.m. to book dining. And she thought it was outrageous. And the one who just came back, he was, he said, you know, they had a great time, but that there's just so much planning and it just has become such a, a difficult thing to plan that you just, there's so much effort and that life is so busy and that this has to, that this has become something that has become so complicated to plan was something that they both commented on. So I agree that the, the product for your average consumer has to be something that is approachable and that makes people feel good and excited, not something that stresses people out. So I think that right now, like out of the gate, people feel stressed out about these vacations before they even get there. And I think that's probably contributes to why they're, you know, you feel like people are less friendly in the parks. People are stressed out about their vacations. People need to feel good about Disney before they even get there. With their head stuck in their phone the whole time to plan the next experience after spending another 100 to $150 a family just to be able to get in a line that's manageable. Yeah, completely. I, you know, I, I think you're right. I think that Disney needs to work on what the Disney experience actually is. I mean, it's funny that the app is called My Disney Experience because I think people would describe that differently. <laughs> The app is kind of setting the tone for what your Disney experience is going to be when you are up at 6 a.m. at home before work trying to plan for your vacation while getting your kids ready for school. And then you have to wake up at 6.55 to check your boarding groups to then mash the button as fast as you can to get a virtual queue. And when you don't get that, it's $18 a person to actually get on the ride then you've got to try and get your 9 a.m. set and then continually refresh while you're standing in the queue in order to get on the next ride and all that for the pleasure of $100 a family. Disney needs to clean up their house as it sits before they put an addition on their house. Definitely. Agreed. I, I, I definitely agree. And let's just have our own blue sky discussion. If there were to be a fifth gate, what would you want to see? takes a lot of thought i don't know i've never really thought about it but it it would have to be i don't want to see anything like what phil said i don't want to see anything that universal is hinting to now i don't want to see a reaction i want to see something original creative maybe something that gets back to what made us all love disney something nostalgic something that's just going to make you feel good and it's i don't really think there's like a specific you know theming you know villains or or whatever it might be but just something that's that's going to, I don't know, we always talk about it, something that's going to give you the feels. Well, let me throw this out there. I think that's a big discussion. Is that a discussion that's worthy of its own episode? Because it requires some thought. Scott's right. It's a big thought. What I would say is I think that's an entire episode. I think you go to each park and you figure out what needs to be updated. And then what would you want a fifth gate to be? Because I think that's a really big discussion in and of itself. 
I'm all for that, but I will say this right now. If down the road, 10, 15 years, if Disney mimics any part of what I say, I better get paid royally for it. No comment. They'll deny it. No comment. They'll deny ever having heard you say it. It's on your lips to Iger's ears. Just a, a, a funny aside. When I was in my like mid-20s, and I had just recently became a, a DVC member, I actually uh, wrote a letter to Bob Iger. And I told him that, and in the letter I wrote that, I think that he's missing out on opportunities to be marketing DVC outside of the theme parks by not um, being in malls. And I, you know, included a little bit of, of data and I got a, an email back from the legal team at, from, from Bob Iger's office saying, thanks for your letter. We, we just want to let you know, we don't read unsolicited emails with suggestions and ideas and so we want to let you know we didn't read it and but thanks <laughs> two years later and by the way we're going into a mall in chicago yeah two years later they opened up those um what were they called i forget the doorway to dreams or something at the malls um and there was one in long island there was one in chicago and I was like, huh, is this a coincidence? Or did they actually read my email that I sent? And then just had their lawyer send me a letter being like, we didn't read it. <laughs> but anyway, back to the the topic at hand. Yeah, I think, yeah, let's let's talk about it in an episode where we flush out some ideas and, and take a, a deep dive into the parks and, and what we feel like would be what we would like to see. All right. Any final thoughts on Epic Universe and what it really means in the grand scheme of things. I have one. I'm going to give everybody three seconds. I'm going to ask one question. I want everybody to blurt out their answer all at once. What is your favorite ride at any Universal Park? Velocicoaster. I've never been. (laughs) I mean, I can't answer that question because I don't really enjoy any of them. And that is I'm the not final a word. Ride person. That is the final word. You didn't. Did you say favorite or? Yeah, favorite. Oh, I don't really have any favorites, but it's a nice, it's a cool ride. We could probably rattle off like three or four real quick if I would have said Disney, but I just think because I said Universal, it's just hard for for us to come up with one. Not that they don't have great rides. It depends. Are you a thrill ride seeker? You know, I could say Hagrid's. I love that ride. I think they did a great job with that ride. But I don't know. I just think that's the final thought. Like for us, Universal is, you think about it for a little bit, but it's easily forgettable. I I know what mine is. It's the Hogwarts Express. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But it took me way longer. And that's also just kind of a joke answer. So. All right. You guys want to wrap it up? Yeah. Phil, tell the people. (laughs) Tell the people. Tell them what to do. guys. We thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, if you hated the episode, we would still appreciate a word of kindness and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll drive more Disney-crazed people our way, and we can share our unsolicited opinions with them, just like Amy shared her unsolicited opinion with Bob Iger. And uh, yeah, so thank you everyone for for listening and be sure to join us in the conversation over on our Facebook page, DVC Clubhouse. Follow us on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. And until next time, we'll DVC you real soon.
Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks a lot, guys. See you later. And so our journey comes to an end. Oh, no, please. Can't we go back to page one and do it all over again? We started this thing together, and that's how we finish it. Because that, my friends, is where the magic lives. Happily ever!